We're Rachel and Erica, and this is the Autoimmune and You podcast. Neither of us took one answer as our truth when we were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and we want you to do the same. There is so much information out there, so many people telling you what or what not to do, and we know how confusing it can feel. This podcast is about breaking past your limits and fears and realizing that different things work for each of us. You are the creator of your own journey, and guess what? You can do whatever the fuck you want. everyone. Welcome back to Autoimmune and You. We hope you enjoyed our last conversation where we talked a little bit about nervous system dysregulation and eating. And in this episode, we want to talk about how you're approaching your healing, right? So we talk a lot about when you approach your healing from like a you know restrictive mindset, you're self-critical, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed how that ultimately is detrimental to your healing when we think that it's doing something positive to us. It's actually not. So we kind of want to expand on this and maybe share a little bit of our own personal experiences, what that looks like, what that feels like, and how to help you shift out of that sympathetic nervous system more into the parasympathetic nervous system where the healing can actually happen. So I think the word like nervous system, well, the words nervous system regulation can kind of be like one of those buzzwords that you might hear a lot, but you might not necessarily know like exactly what it is. Um, And so I think an easy way to understand it is essentially your autonomic nervous system is consistent of your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system. And we'll get more into like each of those things, but basically your parasympathetic nervous system is that kind of like rest and digest that calmer, like homeostasis state in your body. And then your sympathetic is that fight or flight or freeze. When I feel like a very common example is when you're getting chased by a bear, your entire body is like, I got to go. And so when your nervous system is regulated, it's basically your body, your mind, and the connection between you're able to flexibly like go between these different states, whether it's in that parasympathetic or sympathetic, because it's not like the sympathetic is bad and the parasympathetic is good. It's not like that at all. We actually need both, but they need to work cohesively and they need to work in a really healthy way in order, again, to be able to flexibly go between the two without overreacting to situations or over reacting to bodily responses. I think an important thing that we want to drive home just right off the bat and throughout this entire episode is the fact that a lot of people that are trying to quote unquote heal or quote unquote fight chronic illnesses, especially in the autoimmune community, is they're so stuck in that fight or flight or freeze, right? That sympathetic nervous system is like constantly firing. And so when we're in like this constant state of stress or your body and your mind kind of feel like it's constant trauma, then it's a little bit harder to enter that kind of like rest and digest state, that parasympathetic nervous system state. So that in turn then impacts our mental health, our physical health, the connections between the people in our lives, like even just down to like your emotional side of things, the spiritual side of things, every single aspect of wellness, if you look at the continuum, is affected when you're constantly in that like fight or flight or freeze mode. And I think it's really important to also mention the freeze too, because I think a lot of times people are like, oh, it's fight or flight. 
But that freeze is actually very prominent in the autoimmune community too. And Erica and I have talked about many times how like we kind of tend to have opposite clients where like Erica tends to get the clients that are like that fight. And I tend to get the clients that are more so in that like freeze state where they're like, there's so many things I want to do. There's so many things that I feel like I could do. And I'm just stuck. I don't know what to do. And Erica tends to get the people that are like, hey, I've done literally everything. I've been fighting this. I've been fighting this and I don't know where to go. So we want to talk about, first of all, like things in our own journeys that have helped us with being able to regulate a little bit more and also like what that could look like for your own journey and having you do that introspection for yourself. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because we've talked about how we have opposite clients, but we never addressed it from a nervous system point of view right Mm -hmm. and I think that is like the biggest aha moment in my brain right now the fact that a lot of your clients are stuck in that freeze or that Mm -hmm. shutdown or that disassociation or that numb feeling that paralyzed by oh my gosh Mm -hmm. this is like too consuming how the hell do I do this and then my clients are that fight or flight right they're like that hyper vigilant, stressed out, like perfectionist, like they're operating from that point of view. So I think that's really, really interesting. <laughs> but the takeaway from that is that there's a clear nervous system dysregulation, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like these people that are coming to us, our clients are like, oh, I kind of get stressed out here, or I kind of like numb out and like, you know, disassociate. And, you know, it's, it's not like, minor stuff we're talking about we're talking about chronic states so just to Mm -hmm. let you know like people are going to fluctuate between happy and sad and you know vibrant to feeling like dull to feel you know it's it's going to fluctuate right but the point is when you are chronically in these states that's when it becomes an issue so the fact that all of my clients are like that and, you know, all of Rachel's clients seem to be that way, it's a clear indicator that their nervous system isn't, you know, functioning properly, right? Mm-hmm. So I have mentioned like many times that the clients, obviously, I'm attracting are those kind of, you know, fight or flight, hypervigilant people. And so what I'm actively helping them do is, get out of that to function more from a place of calm from a place of peace but Mm -hmm. look that is not that's not it's not a like one step two step three step process you know what i mean it that's not the way this works so i just kind (laughs) of want to say over the last seven years on my health journey i have been doing all these things right focusing on the nutrition focusing on the lifestyle focusing on the mindset focusing on that mind-body connection, and now it's led me to here. So it's really crazy to understand what this whole thing has been about. Like, literally, I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. my brain has been like, like so many dots have been connected, Mm -hmm. specifically even just in the last couple months for me. It's been like, everything's becoming so clear and so evident because I've talked many, many times about this, it's no coincidence that my clients, Rachel's clients are in these types of states. It, mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence, people. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, no. this is random. Like almost, I, I can't even say almost, I'm going to say a hundred percent of my clients are coming from these two types of states, the shutdown, mm-hmm. 
or this fight or flight. And the optimal because otherwise they wouldn't be seeking out help, right? Like (laughs) exactly. So the optimal arousal state for you to be in, it's called your window of tolerance. Okay. So your window, everyone has their own window of tolerance. When you are in your own window, window of tolerance, you're not going to have symptoms. Your blood pressure is normal. You don't have tension or pain in your body. You're not experiencing that anxiousness, that nervousness, right? That's your homeostasis. And so what happens is as we experience things throughout our day, throughout our life, we can peek out of that window of tolerance into that hyper arousal, right? Which is the fight or flight, or we peek under, which is the hypo arousal, which is that kind of shutdown. So that's all normal, right? But when you stay in that peak hyperarousal or you stay in that peak hypoarousal, that's where the chronic disease sets in, okay? Mm-hmm. But the good news is if you can allow yourself to peek back into your window of tolerance, into your homeostasis longer and longer, you will not be in that symptomatic zone where all of the pain, the tension, the inflammation is. So that's basically in a nutshell what is happening. And throughout my whole health journey, I didn't even realize that I was helping myself come back to my body's own natural homeostasis and come back into my window of tolerance. So I'm not staying in that hyper arousal state, which I had been, I'm going to say like the majority of my life. So Mm -hmm. the point here is, is that knowing that that gives me hope that what I'm doing is what I need for my own healing and -hmm. what I've been helping my clients with, because at the start of helping my clients, I wasn't approaching this from a nervous system perspective at all. I was just Mm -hmm. helping them bring the awareness, right? What kind of thoughts am I having? What type of uh, somatic experiences am I having? What type of habits do I have? You know, bringing all that awareness and then giving my clients the space to ask themselves, like, is this, do I want to respond in this way or do I want to respond in a different way? The, Mm -hmm. the, The key is giving yourself that space. You need that space when you are, Hyper vigilant, or I'm sorry, you're in that hyper arousal, or you're in that uh, hypo uh, hypo arousal, which is the shutdown. You don't, you're not really giving yourself space. You're perpetuating it with the same thoughts, the same emotions, the same habits, the same behaviors, and so you stay stuck there. But getting yourself out of that is giving yourself space to understand how is my body feeling, what am I thinking. Mm-hmm. And how can I move in a different direction instead of keeping my body stuck in that arousal state? Mm-hmm. And I think the coolest part about all of this is that, like you were saying, these are things that behind the scenes, I think that you and I have kind of just intuitively been doing. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but like, I feel like now we're gaining more and more terminology and ability to educate other people and explain to them what all of this is. And so I think that's the cool part about both of our journeys is that we 
have always, it sounds like for you too, like we've always kind of like done things intuitively and then later on been like, oh, now I have words for this. Now I can explain this. Now I can share this with the world. Now I can share this with clients, right? And that's the cool part. That's what I think sets us apart so much from these doctors and dietitians and blah, 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 that we always say that you could follow blindly, but we've literally been through it. And not only are we like going through it, we're not just like going through it and spewing it out there, right? We're going through it. We're holding space for ourselves. We're building the knowledge and the awareness and the connection. And then we are sharing from a really deep, genuine place where we know what it is that we've experienced. We know that we have gone through something in order to help other people. And now this is just another step on each of our journeys where we're able to share from an even deeper, even more intuitive, even more genuine space that is more knowledgeable, right? Is more like straightforward, like, I don't want to say by the book, but it has a little bit more, um, like it's a little bit more concise, right? Because of the terminology, because sometimes I don't know about you, Erica, but I have so many experiences, like emotionally, physically, spiritually, where I'm not able to put it into words. I'm just like, I know what I feel. Mm -hmm. And it takes me a while to integrate it. And then like months later, I might be like, whoa, I wrote this stuff down that I like felt like was mumbo jumbo at the time. And then now I'm able to actually decipher it and actually share it with the world because it takes time to integrate. And so I just love the fact that we are intuitively able to do these things and then we're able to process it and kind of like digest it in order to um, share it with the world and help clients better, right? And help listeners better and help followers better. And in whatever way you're feeling called to interact with us, that's what we're here for. Um, And I think it's really cool also to just see how exactly that has manifested into our lives, especially like you said, in the past couple of months, um, and I, I have to say, like, I feel like being connected with Amanda Nova, like the person that was a guest on our podcast, if you haven't listened, go two episodes before this, because she's absolutely incredible. And I feel like she has like opened it up, especially for me. I know Erica, you were already starting to dive into a lot of this, but for me, she's opened up a, a window of like, okay, I can find the words to put to some of the things that I've been doing or feeling because I wasn't necessarily able to in such a way before. And so that's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say when I met you, I remember I recommended the book, How to Do the Work to You, Mm -hmm. right, by Dr. Nicola Perra. And she was really the first person that opened my eyes to nervous system Mm -hmm. regulation and how the role that it plays in Mm -hmm. chronic symptoms. So that was like basically at the start of the pandemic, right? Where I really Mm -hmm. started reading about that. And I bought like, you know, all these different kinds of books on it. But it really took until I think the conversation with Amanda really, truly Mm -hmm. to start connecting all that dots to my own life. It's really quite crazy because I've always wanted to write a book, right? I've always wanted to create like, a self-guided program. And my husband's always been like, when are you going to do it? Like, when are you going to do it? And I kept telling him, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting mm. for another piece of the puzzle. I'm not freaking joking. I've been saying I just that got for, chills. Like, for like wow. the last for the last four years, I've been saying that to myself, like, okay, Erica, you have this mindset part. You have this mind-body connection. You have the nutrition. You have this lifestyle of breath work and meditation. And I couldn't 
understand. I couldn't see what I was actually doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so after our conversation with Amanda, it was like this huge aha moment of this is all what this whole journey has been leading me to and teaching me, teaching me. I didn't have the words. I wasn't saying nervous Mm -hmm. system regulation with my clients. I wasn't even saying that to myself. I just was creating a life that regulated my nervous Mm -hmm. system. So now that I have this, like, I feel like what is the almost like the missing link to all of this, to making it cohesive, I have this piece now. And it, and even though like, even in the last couple of months, you know, I've really, really been diving deep into it. I feel like I intuitively already have so much knowledge and understanding Mm -hmm. because I've done that work on myself Mm -hmm. because I'm not living with the severe depression, anxiety, panic attacks that I was living with for most of my life. And it's really interesting that I kind of never really gave so much credit from me not experiencing as much anxiety and depression and panic attacks as I did my whole life, because that was the majority of my life before my mm-hmm. illness. Like screw the chronic fatigue, screw the all that. I mean, all that was terrible, but I was debilitated by anxiety. I was debilitated by depression. I was debilitated by panic attacks. And the fact that I am not debilitated by that to any capacity, yes, as I talked about previously, when, you know, I was not meeting my nutritional needs with my other diet, you know, I felt that back in my nervous system, that nervousness, that anxiousness, and I was asking myself, what the heck's going on? But now that I've addressed that component, I feel so calm. I feel so at ease. And as I mentioned in previous episodes, when I used to tell people when they'd run into me like, oh my God, I'm so stressed, right? And Mm -hmm. now like that's not even, stress is not even a part of my vocabulary to any degree, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not even, that's not even the way that I frame things when I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm not in that chronic state of stress. I'm not in that sympathetic nervous system anymore. So all of this, it just trips me the hell out that I broke free of the anxiety and depression because I regulated my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And with that, think about it. When you're anxious, right, or you're stressed, you're going to physically feel it and your your heart rate's going to go up. Your blood pressure is going to go up. You're going to feel tense. You're going to feel pain. I mean, there's all of these things, right? So now I'm connecting the dots. I'm like, if years and years, for for me, at least 15, 20 years of feeling that tension and stress and tightness in my body, all that time, of course, that's going to lead me to a place where I can't even get out of that anymore because I'm so chronically in that sympathetic nervous system. So I'm just feeling really, really, really like, deeply like excited to continue to educate myself on that so I can put the words come up with the words and articulate it in a way that people can understand it now and apply it to their own disease because Mm -hmm. that's we've been doing that through this podcast okay right Mm -hmm. like we have literally been teaching people that through the journaling 
through the yeah. meditation, through the breath work, through getting in Even nature, just the through self-awareness. Dancing. Yeah, through the self-awareness, through dancing, through mm-hmm. whatever, you know, all of the things we've recommended, that's what has been going on. So as yes. much as I want to say, here, do this for your to regulate your nervous system, it really is an entire process that you're mm-hmm. doing at the same time, right? Even the self-compassion piece, even yeah. the self-kindness, that has been all part of regulating the nervous system. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Okay. So like, if you really think about from a general perspective, the reason that all of those things are super important is because when you're regulating your nervous system, it's really, there's like four kind of like areas that can be affected of each other. Right. So you have your body, which Erica was saying, you get those like bodily responses, like increased heart rate, blood pressure, all of these things. Right. And so it's all about like the cellular level of things, the way your organs are working, blah, blah, blah. Then you have the mind, right? So when your body's going crazy, your mind will automatically start to spiral, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like your thoughts and your emotions and the way that you cope and the the you know you might be turning to things like eating or drinking or you know whatever your quote unquote like vice might be, and you also like the self esteem, the self compassion, the confidence, all of those things. I I like to kind of like um, group into the mind. And then when your body's out of whack and your mind is out of whack, that's going to affect the connections in your life, the relationships in your life, the way you interact with not only people, but also your environment, right? How, like, think of, for instance, like, I don't know, if you drop a glass and it shatters all over the ground, what's your initial reaction? Just take a moment, think about it. What would your initial reaction in this moment right now be? I can tell you right now, if I were to drop a glass, I'd be like, I'd probably start laughing because I'm just so clumsy. And I'm like, all right, well, got to clean it up now. Whereas years and years ago, probably 10 years ago, I would have been like, fuck, like, God damn it. Why am I so clumsy? Like yelling at myself. There goes the self-confidence. There goes the self-compassion. There goes the body because then the body's going all out of whack. Someone walks in the room and I'm like screaming at them because I'm pissed that I dropped the glass, right? It all spirals. And then from there, the fourth component is that spiritual side of things, right? We all, I think, unless you're like completely, completely atheist, which I mean, good for you, like you do you. But I think for the most part, we all have an understanding that we're part of something bigger, right? Maybe you don't believe in one God. Maybe you don't believe in, you know, whatever, but there is some sort of energy that connects everything. Even if you don't believe in one, you know, big energy, there's some sort of energy that connects everything. And you can look at that as the spiritual. So when you connect all of those things and when they're all in that, like homeostatic, is it like homeostatic? I want to say homeostatic. No, it's, homeo- I don't- it's, it's, it's homeostasis. No, I know, but like like a state, you know? Anyway, I would like to coin that term. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds nice. Like a homeostatic state, homeostasis state sounds weird. Anyway. um, So when all those things are in that like calm state, I'll say, then they're all working together. Right. And one throw one being thrown off. If you're in a regulated nervous system state, if one gets thrown off, like the body, for instance, you are not automatically going to spiral out the mind, the connection area and relationships and that spiritual side of things. It's just like, oh, this one little thing needs to be tweaked. Okay, let's calm the body. Let's do some deep breathing, for instance. Okay, I'm going to regulate my heart rate again. Okay, nothing else is going to get affected. That's what being in a regulated nervous system state means. Yeah. Oh my God. When you were saying about dropping, what did you say you dropped? Like if you drop, something. I'm just saying like, anyway. if you drop a glass, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let me give you, these are two prime examples. Okay. So 
yesterday I did a, a, a podcast recording with someone else. And in that I totally got off track. I forgot what I was saying. Right. <laughs> and so my old self in that hyper arousal state, that sympathetic state would have immediately started getting upset at myself. How dare you that you're stupid? Like, what the heck? Why would you, you know, have to, why did you brain fog? Like, or why didn't you remember what you were saying? Instead, simultaneously in that moment, I was able to recognize that tension building in my body. And I was immediately able to combat that with Erica. That's not the truth. And immediately when I said, that's not the truth, my, t- my shoulders relaxed and guess what happened? I remembered what I was talking about because I wasn't, when you're in that hyper arousal state or you're in that hypo arousal state, which is like the brain fog and the slow and the sluggish feeling, you can't think straight. You can't have clarity. So in that moment, I was able to do that. That's one instance. And then later on in the day, I was making dinner And I dropped a whole bottle of paprika, red, bright paprika, right? Half of it came out, right? And the moment that happened, I, I felt this feeling coming of like, like, I'm so, this is so stupid. Like now I have to clean this up. But it was within a, a split second, I was able to regulate myself and go, it's okay, Erica. Like I can clean this up. It's not a big deal and you can move on. But Mm -hmm. I'm saying those are prime examples of being in a regulated nervous system because my, the hyper arousal state that I was in for many years didn't allow for flexibility. It didn't allow for mistakes. It didn't allow for me to mess up. And now I'm in a place where like I can mess up and that's okay because that's part of life, right? That's that safety. That's that security. That's that relaxed, but alert state where I can have clarity on what I need to do. So I just want to point out like that that's what nervous system regulation is going to look like, right? It doesn't mean you never experience anger or frustration. It's about how long you're staying in that state. And for me, now it's coming down to a second, a couple seconds, Mm -hmm. and I can quickly pull my body and my mind back into that homeostasis state where that's where we have optimal health, right? So I want you to know it's not just the body stuck in that arousal state. It's the Mm -hmm. mind and the body stuck in the arousal state. Because if you're in that hyper arousal state, not only are you going to feel tense in your body and maybe feel physical pain, but your thoughts are going to be racing. You look like you're itching to say something. You're getting me. No, I I mean, I am, but I'm like loving this. And I just keep thinking like we could go on for so fucking long because there's so much I want to (laughs) say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, I thought you were wanting to like say something out loud because I was like, you look like you're like holding your chest in like you're- you're I'm just really excited about this. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what I was saying is that your mind and body are going to be stuck in those arousal state. It's not one or the other, right? So if your body is relaxed, guess what? Your mind is going to be relaxed. If your Mm -hmm. mind is relaxed, your body is going to be relaxed. So when people say, I'm not high stressed or like, I'm not worried. I'm not frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm like, okay, well, what is your body telling you right now? And they're like, oh my God, my shoulders are up to my neck. Mm -hmm. I'm clenching my hands. My jaw is tight. That's how you know 
where the state of your nervous system is if you cannot become conscious of everything that's, you know, going through your mind. Oh, there's literally so much I'm like, (laughs) I love how you're like, are you okay? I know, Um, because you're like, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, no, but basically, okay. So like another, I feel like good example, there's so much I want to say. Okay. First of all, just relating to that. So right now I feel like for me personally, I can feel that like my sympathetic nervous system is firing a little bit, right? Because I'm like, so like fired up and excited. And so I want to also make a point that again, it's not bad or good. It's not a good state, Mm -hmm. a high state, a a low state. That's not what parasympathetic and sympathetic are about. We need a good balance, right? Another thing that I wanted to point out is when you were talking about dropping the paprika, something that immediately came to mind was thinking of your inner child, right? I think a lot lot of times if we were to really build that awareness and this is something that you can incorporate right now today if something happens I feel like dropping something is a really good example because most people would have that initial Mm -hmm. like and you know why because we're conditioned as a child to be like oh be careful be careful don't drop it like oh you dropped it or you might get you know spanked or I don't know there was one time I dropped like a little figurine of my grandma's on accident and she spanked me and that was the only time she's ever spanked Mm -hmm. me in her life and she was so mad at herself for it but it happened right and so to this day I think that my my little girl inside is in that mindset of oh I dropped something I'm bad and then again that causes the mind to go and go and go and that causes the body to go and go and go and then that causes a relationships again it's all a continuum and so on the um another point I want to make about that is what we talked about a little bit um I briefly mentioned last episode was the difference between when I'm working with kids as an occupational therapist the difference between a meltdown and a tantrum right we would always say like it's how quickly you recover as like a child with special needs it's like if they don't recover quickly after some sort of like thing happened that dysregulated them it's more of a quote-unquote meltdown to where they're not able to fully regulate back and so i always think of that as an example of it's that recovery time or is it a quick like instant response and then you're able to recover because again no one's saying you're not going to get mad when you have a regulated nervous system the most spiritual whatever calm yeah. guru people out there get mad and pissed at things all the time and i think that that's like a blessing and a curse of like the whole spiritual movement on social media and stuff is that people act like they're these like beautiful you know light beings that are just like all pure light and whatever and it's like well everyone gets mad everyone gets upset everyone you know I don't know screams into a pillow sometimes like that's healthy that's actually a good thing that's part of this human experience and we have to actually embrace that side of things too and so how Erica was saying that instead of dropping the paprika and freaking the fuck out and being all pissed the rest of the day, she's like, okay, well, that sucks. Like now I have to clean it up. And then instantly mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, now I'm going to just do it. And I think, I don't remember if I mentioned it last episode or a few ago about the the steps to changing negative thoughts, right? So like making sure that you're being aware of them first And, um, eventually after a few steps, it then becomes automatic. You're able to automatically switch that thought to where, when the thought crosses your mind, you no longer even have to pause. It just automatically is reframed in your mind. But that again, takes time. And so there's different aspects of building a regulated nervous system longer term. Number one, we talk about this probably every single episode is awareness We have to be aware that we're doing anything before we can change it. And then from there, you can start to regulate, right? So you, you, 
have the awareness of the way that you're responding to things. And then you start to regulate, right? So you're like, okay, this is how I usually respond to things. How can I start to respond in a little bit more healthy way? So Gabby Bernstein talks a lot about like the choose again method, meaning like choose something that feels a little bit better. So again, you might not always be able to go from like, damn, I hate myself. Why did I drop that to, oh, this is hilarious, you know, but you can choose something that feels a little bit better of like, okay, this isn't a big deal. And then you also, another aspect of longer term of like regulating your nervous system is like looking at deeper causes. And that's something that you might need to do with like a therapist or something like that is like looking at the kind of like traumas, right? The underlying things, again, like that hurt inner child that is making you respond to situations like now that. Now I think the dropping something situation with the inner child, that's not like a trauma, right? That's just kind of like the way things go in society is like, I I don't think that's a trauma. But let's say there's something deeper that's happened, similar situation, then you can really uncover that and realize, oh, I've been living in this chronic state of stress. And maybe it's not even like a big T trauma that happened. Maybe it's just something that's been like built up over time. And then there's also like learning how to cope in healthier ways. So something happens and you're realizing you have the awareness that you're acting on a trauma or you're acting on like this chronic stress that's built up. You're trying to respond in a healthier way. But we also need to to learn how to cope with the longer term stress. So it's kind of like two different aspects. One is when something happens, the antecedent happens and we're responding healthier. But there's also the back end side of things of just overall dealing with long term stresses in a healthier way and coping in a healthier way. And I think a huge part of that that we've talked about is just like having support in your life. Having people that are there in your corner makes all the fucking difference. And I will always stand by that. Having a community, having your parents, having your significant other, having a best friend, having a therapist, having a coach, like these are all important things. And it's not just, you can't just rely on one person to be that pillar. You have to kind of like build yourself out a like community, or I guess in your mind, you could think of it as like a team, right? I know that this person is really good at listening to me. And I know that this person is really good at giving me advice. And I, you know, those are all parts of regulating your entire being because as humans, we're not meant to live alone. That's why people go insane when they're in isolation. We're not meant to live alone. We're meant to build on each other's energy and like be able to, to collaborate and to connect and to feel love and to feel safety. And when you create, that love and that safety and that partnership and that connection and whatever, you're also building it within yourself at the same time. And that is causing you in turn to build a life that you love, to build a body that you love, to build this like happiness and joy that you've probably been seeking your entire life, right? Every single person on this earth, all we want is happiness. That's what every person is trying to do. And sometimes it comes off like, in a little bit more harsh way, like, you know, people use the example of like, oh, well, what about dictators out there that are like ruining people's lives? And it's like, if you really think about it, even those people are just doing what they think is right at the time, somehow backwards, but everyone's just trying to live happy. And you know what that means? That means a regulated nervous system. Well, I guess what I want to take from that when you said about like a dictator, right? It, it it may not even consciously trying to be like 
I just want to be happy. It's their nervous system has developed parts of themselves or patterns to protect them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they are doing those things because of that. And coming back to like what you said about like the inner child, the inner child piece is very important because the reason why my past self would have gotten really worked up and beat myself up because my mom would pick at me for like the littlest stuff. Like I would be talking to her and she would be like, I I can't listen right now. You need to pick that piece of fuzz up off of the ground. (laughs) And so that really invalidated me. And that Mm -hmm. really made me feel sad as a child because I didn't really feel seen because she was constantly fixated on her environment. So these things, you know, whether we see them as small or insignificant, they really did do have a big imprint on us and our well-being as we become adults. But because I can recognize that now, and because I've done the self, you know, worked on my self-worth, I know that my worth is not tied to making mistakes, right? So that's the deeper level of work that I've had to do on myself and that I continue to do on myself but we have to create new neural pathways in our brain. Think about it. Think about a mountain, right? There is a trail that we see. We can visibly see that trail. So we go down that trail and what you all the plants are completely squished down. You can clearly see this is the path that people take or this is the path that I take. But when you are rewiring yourself, when you're deciding to have new thoughts, take new actions, you're carving out a new pathway for yourself, for you to take. And once you travel on that new pathway over and over and over, that becomes the primary pathway in your brain. So that's what this is all doing is teaching yourself that this is one way that I've been going my whole life because I've perpetuated those survival patterns to keep me safe. Mm -hmm. But now I understand that that's only keeping me in survival. It's only keeping me in that sympathetic. It's only keeping me um, from creating the life that I know I truly deserve. So that awareness piece, but then also the repetition, you have to have that repetition. That's why this work isn't easy. That's why you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm not an overachiever. It doesn't happen overnight. Like I have consciously worked on that deeper self-work of letting myself know that I am safe. I am valuable. I am a worthy person, even if I don't do it perfectly. Like those Mm -hmm. are the inner child things that I have to tell myself. We don't just develop these patterns out of nowhere. Like literally people like it's not who we are. It's not an identity. It's a survival pattern that we have to recognize. Once we recognize, Mm -hmm. hey, this is a survival pattern. But guess what? We think that survival pattern. We love that survival pattern because it got us to where we are today. Yes. It's, it's it's not it's not who we are. It's just one part of our being. But our true authentic self is underneath all of those survival patterns. So mm-hmm. the work really that I have been doing in the last seven years is to uncover myself, uncover who I am underneath all of those survival patterns that kept me in survival mode. So when you're on this health journey and you're continuing to operate it 
operate from the perfectionism, from the overachiever, from the people-pleasing standpoint, you're never going to experience the healing that you truly deserve because you're, again, you're stuck in those survival patterns. So Mm -hmm. the only way to escape that and to come back to your true authentic self where you do have optimal health is to actively work on those things. And I'm not perfect. As I've said, I still get those thoughts. I still get those reactions. But guess what? I stay in them very, a very little amount of time now. I do not, I do not get overworked where it consumes me and my whole day is shot because that's what used to happen before is like something would happen Mm -hmm. and I would be ruminating on it. I'd be beating myself up. I would just constantly, constantly be thinking about it. And now I'm like, yeah, it, it, it has no room in my body anymore. It has no room in my existence. All right, show of hands, how many of you have had to get up in the middle of the night just to warm a heating pad because you're so uncomfortable? Okay, if you're putting your hand up in like a grocery store or in the car, you can put it down. But many of us in the autoimmune world are best friends with heating packs. We're here to tell you that it's time to ditch them because we have something even better for you. Our new favorite pain relieving product is not like any other heating products that either of us have ever tried. Thermotex offers a variety of infrared heating products. They're really high quality, effective, and convenient. It's super easy to do. All you have to do is flip on the switch, let it heat up, and instantly enjoy the healing benefits. We all know that feeling of waking up with new aches and pains that can show up in different parts of our bodies. So Thermotex offers many different types of heating products, including one specifically designed for your knee, your wrist, your elbow, your foot, your neck, and the all-purpose pad, which is more versatile. I love keeping it by my bed or desk when I have a long work day. My lower back is usually my main problem area. Because they incorporate infrared technology, the energy is absorbed six centimeters into your body. Traditional heating packs only penetrate about a quarter of a centimeter. The other cool part about this technology is that it isn't insanely hot to the touch, so you don't have to worry about burning yourself or having to reheat it frequently. I personally love using my Thermotex heating pad at the end of the day while I unwind from a full day of podcasting and coaching clients. You need to give this a try. There's literally no risk to you. They have a 30-day guarantee that it'll temporarily help your pain or your money back. And then they also have a one-year warranty on your product. Thermotex is currently offering our listeners a 10% discount on any personal product with our special code AutoimmuneNU, all one word. And as always, that link is in the show notes. We literally use our heating pads every single day. And we can't wait for you guys to start using this as part of your healing regimen. First of all, let's just shout out Erica for that beautiful analogy. <laughs> I was like, I knew, I knew you so were staring. <laughs> I knew you were staring at it. I was like, yes, yes, I love that. I love that you're you're creating your own path on this trail, um, and creating new neural pathways. I love that so much. Um, I also think that part of our survival pattern tends to be a coping mechanism of identifying too much or claiming a feeling. So how many times have you said, and we've both talked about like how we used to do this. I am stressed. I am anxious. I am depressed. Mm -hmm. Rather than you are not those things. That is not you. That is what you're experiencing in this human experience. Right? So shifting that mindset to I am I am feeling anxious or I am feeling stress, right? That is, again, a simple little tweak, 
because the more you're telling yourself, I am this, I am that Mm -hmm. your brain's going to start to believe it. And that's literally going to form who you believe you are. That's a really, really important point to make is that's part of that awareness piece and the regulation piece is rather than I am stressed. And then you're attaching to that belief that you are stressed, which means that your Mm -hmm. body and your mind are going to believe you're constantly stressed. And then that changes the way that you're um, addressing stressors that pop up in your life rather than I am feeling stressed right now. I'm feeling stressed and I might address things a little bit differently than usual, but I also am going to have that awareness that this is not me. I am not that. So I think that that's like just such an important, important aspect of this is um, knowing the way that you're responding to things and knowing the way that you are thinking about things. Another thing that came up when you were talking about it is I just have this visual of like someone at work, whether I want anyone who's listening to genuinely think about this scenario, being at work and someone makes you upset, like whether it's, I don't know, depending on where you work, a customer, or a boss or a coworker, or someone calls you in the middle of your day and it stresses me out. How do you usually respond to something like that? Do you allow it to ruin the rest of your day? Do you literally get to the end of your day and get home and start bitching about whatever it was to whoever you live with right away? Or do you take a moment to regulate your nervous system? Do you take a moment to yourself? And I want to, at the end of this episode, give you my like favorite tip to regulating, but you're gonna have to listen till the end. (laughs) Um, Do you take that moment for yourself or do you literally just act out of that initial fight or flight bodily mind response and allow it to carry with you the rest of the day. Because guess what? If you don't take that moment for yourself, your body is going to take that feeling and that visceral response with you. And that's going to last until you get home. And then guess what? Your home that's supposed to be your safety, your secure space, your calm space is then going to carry over that energy that you brought with you. I want to say my one If I could boil this all down and I could really help somebody on their autoimmune, you know, journey, their chronic illness journey, their whatever you want to associate it with, I want to say if you are that perfectionist, if you are that overachiever, if you are hypervigilant, if you are, you know, all the things that I've Again, this is speaking from my experience of who I was at the start of this journey. I challenge you to step into that childlike carefree mentality because Mm -hmm. that is the way that you're going to break free of this. It's going to be uncomfortable, right? Like you're going to feel like this isn't normal. I want to have control. I want to do it regimented. But the way that has the thing that has helped me kind of move out of those things is to step into that childlike mentality, to be creative, to use my imagination, to use more of my senses than my thinking mind, and to mm-hmm. really come back into my body and kind of let go of these rigid rules and boundaries that I've created for myself, which a lot of people do when they start this healing journey. You kind of got to embody this like, laid back, like, I don't care mentality. And guess what? That's going to feel extremely strange for you, right? But that's what the body needs. It needs to say, it's okay. Like, we're okay. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do this perfect. It's not going to happen when you want it. You know, you can't control it all. Like, 
allowing yourself to feel that mentally and physically is going to help you escape those survival patterns that you've established throughout your life. And I could never, I could never years ago tell you that I wouldn't feel associated to those things. Like I didn't even think it was possible, but because now I'm out of survival, I can look back and just say, Hey, like my nervous system, that's what it, you know, developed to help me get through that. But now I recognize that it's actually keeping me sick. Those are the Mm -hmm. things that are keeping me sick. And so if I want to be a different person, I have to embody it in a different way. I have to approach my healing from a different way because I know that the other things made me sick. So I have to embody something different. I have to teach my body and mind something different, something that it's not familiar with, something that it's not comfortable with. That's how you do the work on yourself. Hmm. I think a really cool strategy is to literally envision your inner child in some of those scenarios and just envision talking to her and picture like once you get really good at it, you can literally picture your inner child and picture talking to her and like what she would look like, what she would feel like, what she would be saying. And it doesn't, it's not something that you have to sit there for like half an hour and be like, okay, what? Are, mm-hmm. No, it can take a few seconds. But I yep. literally, as we're talking about this, can picture her, right? I can picture what usually comes up for me as my like five-year-old self. And I can picture her and like what she would be doing and saying. And also another aspect of living life from that scope of the child is they forget about things really quickly, right? A quote unquote, like healthy child being brought up in a healthy environment is going to get over things relatively quickly, whether they scraped their knee, whether they, you know, hit their elbow, whether they're sad that they can't have the ice cream cone. Generally, they get over it relatively quickly. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's like the it's really interesting to me how all of these little pieces that we talk about and have always talked about on the podcast, it's like at the beginning of this episode, I was thinking how it's almost like now we have this like huge light bulb above our podcast. We're like, and now it all comes together. (laughs) Everything is just streaming together. I just have had this like continuous stream of consciousness that is like bringing to surface, even all these others, er other areas of my life that I had to suppress because of my survival self. Like I'm literally, things are coming to me, Rachel, that I'm like, what the hell? How did I not even understand Mm -hmm. this? Or how did I, you know, it's just, it's crazy because we've been on, I've been on this health journey for so long now. And now there's this other layer that's coming to surface and I'm recognizing so much about myself related to my childhood. And I told Rachel that, you know, I wanted to do a separate episode to kind of unravel some of those things and to talk about it, to help normalize the way that people are operating now in their survival self Mm -hmm. and how it's affecting their chronic symptoms. I'm not doing it to be like, oh, like this is, you know, so sad that it happened to me. Surprisingly, a lot of people have may have experienced a lot of the things that I have, but I think I, you know, I really truly believe we're doing ourselves a disservice when we fully focus on the diet with chronic symptoms. Mm -hmm. I really, 
you know, I'm not regretting it. You know, this is the process, but I think about how much of a disservice was it to so focus on my diet when there was this wounded inner child at the root of all of this. And I haven't even touched on not even just childhood trauma, but adult trauma, even up until my diagnosis, like Mm -hmm. those are current fresh things that I don't even think I fully processed or understood how it was affecting me. So the work is the work. It's not a finish line. It's not like we arrive anywhere, right? Like this is continuous awakenings that have been happening for me, but I'm really, really, really connecting these dots and it's helping me free myself from those symptoms that I didn't even think I could like, honestly, like there's no coincidence either that the last couple of months as I've really paid attention to my nervous system and like really poured the love into it, like consciously that I feel my symptoms are becoming less and less and less. And this has nothing to do with the medication. I can tell you that because it's been over a year of being on the, on the medication more than that now. Um, and the, the sulfazalazine that I'm on is a very insignificant amount. It's not even considered a like dose to my rheumatologist. And so I don't, I don't even equate it to that. Like I really equate it to the stream of consciousness and the embodiment of all of this information and all this wisdom that I'm gaining. And it's slowly breaking me free of these survival patterns. So it's, it's a powerful thing. Like this conversation, you know, is going to be continued to be had because it is kind of, I know you said in the beginning, you know, it's a buzzword and stuff like that. I don't believe it's a buzzword. I think there's very few people in the chronic illness community that are talking about it from this angle. Honestly, like I found very little accounts on social media where people are like really talking about this and have clear, concise, like information to show how this affects chronic symptoms. In fact, I feel like people are still, you know, that was us at the start of our podcast, even Mm -hmm. giving more energy to diet, giving even more energy to mindset because Mm -hmm. your mindset is a representation of what's going on in your nervous system. So it's all connected And you're going to start at different points of your journey, right? Like for most people, they're going to start with the diet because it is the surface level thing. It is the thing they can control, right? And that's okay. But as you embark on this journey, you're going to continue to peel back all the layers. And I guarantee when you strip it all back for your own self, you're going to get down to your own nervous system and you're going to understand how your childhood or your upbringing or past traumatic experiences have played a role in how you're physically feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that you're absolutely right because I think buzzword isn't the right like term to use. I guess I was referring more to like, like terminology, like a, I don't, I don't know what the right word would be still, but mm-hmm. basically like a big fancy term. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's like something that was coming up for me a lot as you were um, speaking was The fact that when we started the podcast, when each of us started sharing on social media and stuff years and years ago, um, I feel like we didn't necessarily have, you know, the full awareness or we had didn't have as much experience under our belt in our own lives or in coaching or any of that 
to be able to connect the dots. And now because Mm -hmm. it's literally because we've been on this journey for so long that we get to connect the dots. Right. And I think honestly, that was also making me just now reflect on the fact that um, I am currently taking a break from social media and I like posted about it. And if you're curious, you can go look at my Facebook, my Instagram, um, my TikTok. And I basically was saying like, I have not been feeling quite as connected with the content that I've been posting in the past couple, like past month or so. And it's not that it's any less genuine and it's not that it's any less authentic or anything. It's just that I feel so deeply that my soul has so much more to share and I haven't been able to quite articulate it yet. And I'm waiting until I'm feeling more aligned with articulating that because there's going to be, and there has been within me a huge shift in understanding how the universe works, understanding the the role that I play on this planet, understanding why I'm, you know, supposed to be doing what I'm doing and how to heal really, really deeply and intuitively. And I feel like I almost, especially for the first few years of my journey, basically up until we started this podcast, I was a a little bit afraid to step outside of whatever box. Not that I had like placed myself in a box, but I was afraid to share about anything different to a certain extent, because while I've always shared authentically, I've kind of feel like I've scratched the surface. I've stayed very like neutral and haven't wanted to rock the boat a lot. And I feel that through this podcast and through sharing here, it's allowed us to step more and more into being okay with that. And now I'm feeling like, okay, now we can exactly what you said, talk about this stuff that no one is truly talking about. Well, you know, the diet stuff, people talk about it. The mindset stuff, people talk about it. And honestly, they weren't talking about it nearly as much before we started the podcast. Like we have definitely made huge waves in that. But now we're like, all right, well, we've helped to make waves there. Now we're going to make waves in this other area because that's what feels aligned for us right now. And it's feeling even more important than ever. And it's feeling even more authentic than ever to share from this space. And I love that you use the term continuous awakenings that like seriously just stuck out so much to me because I have felt, especially like I said, past two years, literally, that it's been literally an, an experience of continuous awakenings, truly. It's about the excitement of those awakenings, right? It's a series of awakenings. It's not a coincidence that we're having these huge awakenings for ourselves, that we're building these connections with other people more than ever, that we're allowing our you know, authentic light to shine more than ever. It's not a coincidence. None of it is. And it's not a coincidence that we're realizing these things now in our journey. It's not a coincidence that our uh, following on social media, our following on our podcast is building and building and building and that people are connecting more and more with what we're sharing. And it's also not a coincidence that there are some people falling off in the meantime. There are some people that are just not ready to hear what we have to say or what we have to share. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. That's okay. That means that maybe one day they'll be ready and maybe they won't. And maybe they have a different path and that's okay too. And I want to raise one more point kind of in this realm. Um, If you were to look back at your journey, someone listening were to look back at your journey, I think that you will probably find that before you were diagnosed or before you started experiencing symptoms, there was some sort of antecedent, whether it was a long-term chronic thing for years and years, like it was for the most part with Erica and I, or whether it was like a huge major traumatic event that happened maybe a few months, maybe a year before. And then that turned into a chronic thing because it was never fully regulated and um, processed right throughout the body, throughout the mind, throughout like your spirituality. That's a really important point is to 
have that introspection, have that moment with yourself. And I want to also say that's not easy. It's hard and it's scary. And that's just the way it is. But you have so far to come from there. You have such beautiful things that will come into fruition because you built that awareness, because you said, what was my past like and where can I grow from that? Because that's what Erica and I have done our entire journeys is looked at it from that scope. We zoom out and we say, okay, now we're two years into two plus years into this podcast. How have we grown since then? And what has been the steps to get us there? And yeah, each of us have had our own little like baby traumas that have happened in the meantime, you know, and may, not even baby traumas. There's been a couple of really big traumas in each of our lives. And that has also helped us to form what we have intuitively done. And now how those intuitive practices and intuitive strategies have come to be a tangible thing that we can share with the world. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it's no coincidence either, right? I'm like all these coincidence things. I'm like, (laughs) they're, they're not really coincidences is that a lot of people were diagnosed with an autoimmune disease or chronic disease during the pandemic. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's no coincidence that I have tons of clients that were diagnosed during that period of time. A very high stress event that was out of our control, that Mm -hmm. was new, that was something nobody experienced, nobody knew how it was going to affect them, right? People's financial situations were at stake, people's homes were at stake, people's families were at stake. I mean, there was so many layers to that. So that, think about that alone in the nervous system, the pandemic and the nervous system, and how many people were diagnosed because of that situation, right? So I want to leave you with that piece. The second part is, The reason why I have now become comfortable with opening up about childhood trauma is because I recognize through my own self-work over the last couple of months that there was a sense of shame attached to all of those things that I experienced because I wanted to put away in my mind that I grew up poor, that my mom did drugs, that I was exposed to all this crazy stuff as a Mm -hmm. child, even up into my my late teens. Mm -hmm. So I I had kind of disassociated myself from that whole experience in my life. And I equated it to my terrible standard American diet. Like if Mm -hmm. I think back on the conversations that we had, Rachel, a lot of that was focused. I mean, I did talk about stress, right? Yeah. I was more talking about like work stress, school stress, da, da, da. But I wasn't talking about that continuous stress, survival stress in my body for most of my life. And so now I've uncovered that for myself, part of myself that I didn't see that, sh- that shame that I've been disassociating from. And so that's how profound and huge and big these little awakenings, you know, how they affect our health, because Mm -hmm. once I've recognized that shame as part of what I was carrying, you know, attached to the childhood trauma and even the adult trauma and letting that shame release from my body and like extending myself compassion to my younger child, there has been a huge shift of how I feel in my body. And recently I kind of had like a a thing with my mom, which, you know, she was a part of that childhood trauma, right? A big part of that. She was my mother. And Mm -hmm. I was triggered, you know, recently 
And instead of, you know, I was upset, I felt frustrated, I cried, but I didn't stay in that for very long. It was just a day. And to me, that's a big step in my healing because before it would have, I would have been depressed for like weeks or months or whatever. But now that I have my own self-awareness, right, I can step back and offer my mom some type of compassion of where she was with her nervous system and her life and her upbringing. I'm not entirely there, right? Like I, I still get upset about stuff, but that's a big step for me. So mm-hmm. I am now sharing like more of this stuff. And I think I am reaching those people because I'm, I'm bringing these deeper rooted things that have happened in people's life to the surface, instead of perpetuating the idea that you just need to do a detox, you just need to do a cleanse, Mm. you just need to be stricter, stricter with your diet, you just need to eat the right foods. Like I'm helping people recognize that for themselves. And I'm recognizing that within myself. So my Instagram has always been my journey. And then what I share, like it's, it's inseparable, right? Because when I'm feeling inspired and motivated by something, I'm going to like share that. But I couldn't have shared this information any sooner because I'm now recognizing that was a part of my own shame and and how it was affecting my own nervous system. So I feel it's liberating to like be able to like bring this stuff up and it's not, you know, arousing me in a way that's causing me stress. It's actually bringing me peace. Because I know that nothing is wrong with me, that this is just the way my nervous system has survived throughout all of it. Yeah, I um, I absolutely like think that it's beautiful uh, that you're sharing this, right? Because it helps other people so much to realize that it's normal. It's okay. It's okay to feel these really big, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching emotions. It's not a bad thing. It's part of the human experience and something that has always gotten me through um, the past six years since I was diagnosed was nothing is permanent. Absolutely nothing in this human experience in this life on this planet is permanent. Think about it. There's not one thing that is consistent your entire life except for change and things changing. Okay. And I think that, um, to your point that like you were attaching to this mentality that like the standard American diet and, you know, living, you did, yeah, mention living under chronic stress your whole life has contributed to like being diagnosed. But I think it's easy to attach to things like that. And it's really hard to dive deeper into what actually is under the surface of all of that, because that's just a piece of it, right? For anyone out there. And I urge anyone listening to make a decision to dive deeper, make a decision to look even deeper, look at the microscope, allow yourself to be vulnerable, allow yourself, hold space for yourself, set up a literal scene. Maybe, you know, maybe you light a candle, maybe you take your journal out, maybe you play some your favorite music and allow yourself to go a little bit deeper, even if it's for five minutes at a time. Because you'll be amazed at the things that you start to realize. And it's a really beautiful thing. I think the term shadow work is thrown around in the spiritual world a lot. And I think that it can sound scary. Before I started doing shadow work, I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. Like people would be like, oh, I'm doing shadow work. I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. And that sounds scary. Um, But when you dive deeper, it's really, and this would be a whole other episode, but 
it's really just about addressing the parts of yourself that you don't necessarily show out to the world all the time. Okay. And that is part of regulating your nervous system. And that's why, like Erica mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's really hard to be like, oh, do this, this, and this, and you'll have a regulated nervous system because we all have such different paths. We all have such different experiences. We all have such different symptoms and diagnoses and all the things. And so another thing going back to when I was talking about not attaching to things, like I am stressed, I am anxious. You don't have to attach to your diagnosis because at the end of the day, the name of your diagnosis doesn't fucking matter. I'm sorry. And I think that so many, and this might piss people off, but so many people put like, you know, rheumatoid arthritis warrior. And I have this, 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 and this chronic condition in your Instagram bio. When you start to detach, that is just simply a word. That is a word to put a term to what you're experiencing. And no other human can put a term to everything that you're experiencing because you might have the same diagnosis as Erica and I, but you might be experiencing totally different symptoms. That's why randomly my toe will flare up, but Erica's finger will flare up, but your shoulder will flare up, but your spine will like, there's so many different things, right? We all experience different things. So how dare someone put one label? And yes, there is, you know, some reason for that. Of course, Western medicine has its place. There's definitely you know, these diagnoses help doctors to help you with surgeries and medications and stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm not saying it's like the dumbest thing in the world. I'm just saying it's dumb to attach to that and have that be your identity. Well, I do want to say though, depending on where you're at in your survival mode, you may attach to those labels because it is a validation of your symptoms and the pain that you experience. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, at the start of my journey, I was one of those people that had RA warrior, right? But as I regulated my nervous system over the years, I was able to detach from that diagnosis and Mm -hmm. say, I am not my diagnosis. I am not my symptoms. These are just what my body is experiencing. So therefore it became less relevant Mm -hmm. to my life to what the diagnosis is. But I think for a lot of those people that do put those because I have a lot of clients that have said that too, that it's, it's a validation of the suffering that they experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And of course that suffering is stemming from their childhood. It's stemming from the trauma that they experience. So when people say, you know, I have this, I have that, that's, that's basically screaming to the world like, hey, I have this because- I have a hurt inner child. <laughs> exactly. So whenever I see that now, I just really have compassion for those people because I understand there's a wounded inner child in there that is mm-hmm. screaming for validation, screaming to be seen. And by attaching a label to their diagnosis, they are able to experience a symptom a sense of safety and security. Mm -hmm. But as we know, that's ultimately keeping you tied to your illness. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. I really appreciate you bringing that up. And I don't, I guess I need to like take a step back because I don't mean to come off like totally judgmental or anything like that. I just really want to drive home for you that when you're attaching to that as your only truth, that's when it becomes detrimental. I absolutely agree. Like that can definitely build some validation. So that's why things like support groups exist, right? Like I run an autoimmune basically support group, but again, we're not attaching to diagnosis. I guarantee you most of the people in my autoimmune goddess collective don't actually know each other's diagnoses, but they do know how they're healing. They do know what they're experiencing on a mental, emotional, physical, 
spiritual level because we talk about those things, right? We aren't like, I'm Rachel and I have rheumatoid arthritis, right? And that is the beautiful part is that once you start to regulate your nervous system, you no longer have to associate and attach um, and find validation from the name of your diagnosis. Yeah. And I want to go back to also like what you said about like being vulnerable and sharing that and like bringing to surface, like doing the shadow work on yourself. Of course, I've, you know, I've done that over the years, but there was another part of my nervous system that wasn't ready to fully head on, embrace it fully. Like I knew mm-hmm. all of these things existed. It's not like I denied and like totally didn't think about all the shit that's happened in my life. But mm-hmm. for survival purposes, I've had to disassociate that from that. But now that I have a safety and security in my life and I am regulated, I can confront those things without letting it consume me now. So just know that like not you're not going to be ready all at once to confront mm-hmm. all these aspects of your life. Okay. I'm seven years into this journey and I'm now recognizing a huge piece of myself that I have been suppressing and disassociating for my yeah. survival purposes. So don't feel bad at yourself that you can't confront that yet because there, there are hidden parts of us right now, Rachel and mm-hmm. I, that we haven't confronted, right? Yep. That we haven't seen, that we can't objectively look at because we are still consumed by the thoughts and emotions that come with those experiences. So that is, that's the part of being human, like be gentle, yeah. be, you know, be kind to yourself because this work isn't easy. It's not obvious. As obvious as we think things are, it's <laughs> fucking obvious. No. So if it was obvious, we would have had all the answers seven years ago. <laughs> exactly. So I embrace the vulnerability of and the humility of saying, I didn't recognize those things. I didn't mm-hmm. understand how it was affecting my health. And guess what? This is just a barely a new awakening for me. So I can't even speak on on it fully, right? Like I don't Mm -hmm. even know how to articulate that in itself entirely, but I have the awareness now that that piece Mm -hmm. was there. So just know that things are going to continue to pop up in your life if you are committed to your healing. Mm-hmm. And just know it wasn't just one incident. It wasn't just one situation. Mm-hmm. It's an accumulation of things yes. that made your nervous system feel unsafe and uh, not secure. And the more you come back into the safety, the more confident you become in yourself, the more you experience your true authentic self underneath all of that, you're going to have a lot more clarity and be able to piece uh, everything together. Hmm. I used to listen to podcasts at the beginning of my journey and it was, you know, a lot of podcasts have guests on where they're at the state, basically like where we are now, you know, they've been doing it for a long time. Maybe they're like a doctor in a field or whatever. And it, it feels like when you're listening to it, they have all the answers and we're here to tell you, we don't have all the answers and that's okay. And that's the beautiful part of this is we're sharing as we go. And I want like, that's the one thing that I hope that we drive home to you every single episode is this is where we are. And if you're not here, that's okay, because that just means that you have a goal, right? You have somewhere to go. And it's the goal is not to look like us or to be like us. The goal is for your journey to look like what it's supposed to. That's the end goal. And so 
I want to leave you with uh, that little tip that I was talking about of something you can literally do right now today. So Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor, um, I had to like look up who it was that had this rule because I was like, I know I couldn't remember her name anyway. Um, there's this like 90 second rule. And so her whole concept is that when a, like something happens that kind of like triggers an emotional response in you, um, there's like a 90 second process in your brain, like on a chemical biomechanical level that, um, it has a 90 second period where it will like react. Right. And it's, kind of a balance between your unconscious and your conscious mind. And it's basically just adjusting to the information, like the new information that's coming in, that's causing you to feel like an emotional response. And so the whole idea there is during that 90 seconds, you build awareness of like, okay, it's going to take 90 seconds. And after that 90 seconds, I'll probably feel at least a little bit better. Think about, let's go back to the breaking the glass thing. Cause that's a really easy example for everyone to visualize. You drop a glass on the ground, there's water in it. It spills everywhere. Glasses shatter everywhere. Think about if you were to just stand there and wait 90 seconds before you do anything, chances are you're going to be a little bit less pissed off. Even if your normal emotional state is to just be pissed off and not laugh about it. Like I would. <laughs> and on the flip side, if you, um, were to like drop it and be like, oh, well, it's okay. 90 seconds later, you'd be in an even more regulated state to where you're calmly cleaning it up. There's another neurologist that kind of built on that idea. So he was talking about during that 90 second period, you kind of break it up. So you start by taking a deep breath. And that is something that I literally recommend to everyone. Like the second that anything happens in your life, whether it's a baby crying, whether it's your dog barking, whether it's like you drop something, take one deep breath because that alone, if you really not even just a slow breath in, but also a slow breath out, slow exhalation, you start there. Maybe you take a few deep breaths. And this is all during that first 90 second period. You start with a deep breath or a few, and then you start to like kind of reframe, right? You're like, okay, what does this actually mean? Right? You hold a little bit of mental space for yourself. And then this is something that I think is really cool. You do something physical. So you like, I don't know anything. You could do like a jumping jack or like you could like, squeeze your hands together, or you could tense up your entire body and then release. Like you do something physical because again, when you regulate the nervous system, it has to do with not only the connection with your environment, which is looking at the broken glass, but also your mind, which you already took a deep breath and you allowed your body and your mind on that one. And then you hold the mental space for yourself, but you also do something physical to allow the body to get that initial like out. Right. And so I think that we can all know the feeling of if someone pisses you off or someone cuts you off in traffic or something, you get that initial like, oh, like I need to let it out. But 90 seconds later, if you really time, you could even time this like 90 seconds later, you're going to feel better no matter what, because that initial hit to your brain is gone. If there's any like remaining emotional response, then that's just a choice. That's you choosing. So like we talked about a little bit ago um, about someone pissing you off at work, if you carry that emotional response with you, you're choosing it at that point. It's no longer like your brain just in that instant fight or flight, because again, it's not a bad thing if our brain goes into that fight or flight. It's just a um, protection mechanism. So my question for you is, are you choosing or are you allowing that release and that surrender? 
So using that 90 second rule, keeping that in mind, the deep breaths, holding mental space for yourself and then doing something physical within that first 90 seconds really can make a huge, huge difference in your responses. Yeah. If I could even condense it down just even further for someone who can't even do any of that, even if it's 90 seconds, just give yourself space. Just Mm -hmm. give yourself a moment before you respond. Acknowledge that survival pattern or part in yourself and give yourself space. Those Mm -hmm. two things, if you can do that alone, you're already ahead of the game. You're already, you're setting, you're, you're already setting yourself up for success. So you can do it that way, you know, if, if you remember the sequence of what Rachel said, or you can just simply even just give yourself space and acknowledge there's a survival part in you that is operating from that past self. And once you even bring light to something, that in itself can diminish that behavior yep. or that habit. So there's tons of ways that you can go about this. You just have to figure out what are the the ways that I feel comfortable with that are going to help me. Is this, uh, is this technique going to perpetuate my perfectionism Mm -hmm. and I'm going to beat myself up because I didn't do it in the sequence? Or is this going to be the thing that I need because I'm so numb and so, you know, depersonalized, disassociated that I have to bring myself into that conscious awareness and take those steps to get Mm -hmm. out of it. So it depends on who you are and how you operate and you have to figure out what works for you. We will continue to say this, right? So when it comes, we're going to leave it on this. When it comes to nervous system regulation, it is not a one size simple answer. Mm -hmm. It's going to require you committing to yourself, you paying attention and consciously changing that in a way that feels right for you that that's really that's all that is I wish I could just simply say do this do that but like Rachel said it's going to come down to like giving yourself space acknowledging those things and then if you find yourself in that moment able to consciously change that that's great but if you Mm -hmm. didn't find your if you didn't find that in that space that's okay too yeah it's all part of the process Step one is awareness for anything, just awareness. So if you're coming away from this episode with anything, it it, it should be an intention to build awareness of your bodily responses and of your thought patterns when some sort of emotional thing happens, anything. Yep. I don't know how long this conversation is, but so much more (laughs) to be coming from this point of view now. And I'm excited. So much. Like we could, I, (laughs) I'm going to just stop talking so Erica can close us out. (laughs) So on that note, we'll talk to you guys on the next episode. Bye.